Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to Tuesday Night Jaw. Or in the case of this episode, Monday Night Jaw. Ooh, we're going head-to-head with the big boys. We're not. It's, it's literally because this, this podcast has taken me quite a while to finish off. I've got loads of excuses, uh, loads of them. Uh, Pip, if you're listening to this, my next-door neighbour was getting a stove fitted, therefore it was really noisy and I couldn't record anywhere quiet. Uh, and then I had to re-record loads of bits and pieces of it, and then I wanted added more stuff, and I can show all my work in, and, and my cat at the homework as well. There are my excuses for it being late, slash why it's coming out on a Monday. But the good thing about this week is, you're listening to this episode, hopefully, on a Monday. And then, the Tuesday Night Jaw episode of that week is coming out on Tuesday, so you've got a double... Bill, um, the episode that is out tomorrow slash the next episode uh, on on the, the podcast is the breakout British stars of 2019. I'll be recording with Sam Bailey, uh, where we'll choose probably like about a, a top five of our favourite slash um, people we think have had a really breakout year, year on the British scene. We'll encourage as well after after we you know you listen to the podcast, but we'll encourage you guys to drop me a tweet and let me know who you think your top five breakout stars on the British scene have been this year. So you're getting a double whammy. I'd say two for the price of one, but you know it's not true. That's like Tesco's when they're like, "Oh, buy this apple for a pound or get free for one pound fifty." Anyway, anyway, if you want to skip ahead <laughs> to the actual bit of the episode that you're probably here to listen to, uh, I'll probably put the time stamp in the description so you can just skip straight ahead to the the actual podcast that you actually come to listen uh so yeah don't worry i'll, I'll put that below <laughs> um okay so that's what's coming up this week on tuesday night jaw we are also approaching award season definitely for tuesday night jaw uh, it is going to the end of the year, so I'm going to start putting together the end of year awards and the Hall of Fame. So let's 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 start with the end of year awards. So the end of year awards this year are going to be stripped back and a little bit more simple. So it's going to be a case of uh, best match of 2019 
Best British Match of 2019, Best Wrestler and Best British Wrestler. That is it. We are keeping it nice and simple. Um, and I'll be putting a committee together. There's going to be three of us who will be making the decisions. Uh, but we also want you to submit what your favourite match and British match of the year is. Wrestler and British wrestler of the year is. So, uh, so British match of the year, we are looking for a match that happened in Britain. It doesn't necessarily have to be British wrestlers, if that makes sense. You know, for instance, if Travis Banks has had a really good match, we're not going to, you know, block his entry because he's from New Zealand. We'll happily accept him because he's part of the scene and the match happened on British soil. So they're going to be the rules for the end of year awards. What I'll do is I will set up an email address where you guys can submit your entries to those categories. As well as that, of course, we have the Tuesday night, Tuesday night Jaw Hall of Fame, uh, the TNGA Hall of Fame, uh, as the kids call it on the street. So here's what I propose. It's not what I propose, actually. Here's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's right, Matt. You're the boss now. You can do what you want. I am retiring, slightly ironically, retiring the old TNJ Hall of Fame. That is done and dusted. The golden doors are firmly closed on that. And everyone that is in that Hall of Fame will remain in that Hall of Fame forever. And no one else will be added. And I am going to dust off the new doors to the brand new Hall of Fame here on the Matt Richards Reign of Terror on TNJ. And our Hall of Fame will now be known as the Broken Jaw Club. So the old rules, there was a few different rules uh, in place, generally to sort of, you know, minimise stupid decisions. But we all know that I like stupid decisions. Uh, So this is what I propose. The new rule, and there is only one rule to the Broken Jaw Club, and that is if you are in the WWE Hall of Fame, you can't be in our Broken Jaw Club. That's it. I'm looking for unique picks. I'm looking for different picks. I want people choosing outside sort of choices, basically honouring how I got Milano Collection 80 into the old TNJ Hall of Fame. So... Broken Jaw Club, new Hall of Fame, bam, done, established. Only rule for our new Hall of Fame is that you cannot be submitted into our Hall of Fame if you are currently in the WWE Hall of Fame. And these decisions will be made by a committee of three. Obviously, I'm one of them. And it'll be all decided on one big episode towards the end of the year. It's going to be in that weird like taint between Christmas and, and New Year. So there you go. That's it. That's the new things uh, on the horizon. I'm going to put out all this information on social media over the next few weeks so you guys can keep up to date with everything and submit your matches and wrestlers of the year. Right. Uh, one last thing before we get into the episode. I know it's rambly, it's really long, and I apologise. Uh, but I just wanted to say a couple of thank yous to people that helped me along the way on this episode. Shout out for Jamesy and Alan 4L for linking me up to a podcast that they did where they told a story about Alan meeting Kenta Kabashi that involved this particular matchup. It was a really nice little story and they had a, it was a chat about Alan's, um, I think it's top 100 British wrestling matches um, or 
top 100 matches that happened on British soil. It's a really cool list. It was published in the last Fighting Spirit um, magazine, and it's well worth checking out uh, if you can get hold of it, because there is a Tetsuja match on there as well, which the, Craig and Gaz and myself were all like really super happy about. So big shout out to both Jamesy and Alan for their help. Shout out to Kat Adachi for some pronunciations during this podcast. Um, I still might get some things wrong, and I apologise. My Japanese isn't very good, um, so hopefully it isn't too cringeworthy uh, and I don't keep saying wrong pronunciations for people and the final shout out is to Hisame who helped me out with a little bit of the history when it involved Kaguchi and kind of post all Japan uh, Hisame's account on Twitter is a English feed for Pro Wrestling Noah updates they cover older stuff, but they also cover newer stuff. So if you're interested in, in for instance, what Chris Ridgway has been up to when he's been in pro wrestling, Noah, uh, they are worth a follow on Twitter. I will link the account in the description of this podcast so you can follow along all the King's Ark goodness that is on that account. Right, that is it. That's the ramble. It's done. It's coming up past eight minutes. This is the longest intro in the world ever. But thank you so much for being patient. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And welcome to this week's edition of Tuesday Night Jaw. A quick YouTube search of Canam Express will bring up a WWE video entitled Boring WWE Tag Teams. A clip of the then Phil LaFon and Doug Furness in an underwhelming match on WWF TV. Only five years earlier, this duo were part of one of the most famous match of the years in all Japan pro wrestling history. This is a story of unlikely heroes, classic villains, and the five elements of a five-star classic. This is the curious case of Kabashi, Kikuchi, and the Kanam Express. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
long before holding the All Asia Tag Team Championships a record five times, Phil Lafon, known to All Japan fans as Dan Crawford, and Doug Furness would have slightly different journeys into professional wrestling. The story goes Lafon was discovered in a local gold gym by Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid, and then brought into the Hart family dungeon to take his first steps in professional wrestling. After spending time training under Mr. Hito, Lafon would break out into the wider Canadian territory under the name René Rougeau before a chance meeting would lead him to his path to Japan. Doug Furness would take his first steps into professional wrestling around 1986. The former world champion powerlifter and holder of 29 powerlifting records would get his start in continental championship wrestling. After a few years learning under the likes of Kevin Sullivan, Buddy Landell and Terry Gordy, Doug Furness would join Dan Crawford in All Japan. Although American fans might remember him as a dude with attitude, it was really as part of the Canon Express in All Japan where Furness made a name for himself. During their first run with All Japan, they would meet the likes of Dynamite Kid and Davey Boy Smith, as well as Samson Fuyuki and Toshiaki Kawada. It was Fuyuki and Kawada that they actually beat in 1989 to win their first All-Asia Tag Team Championships. And they would continue to lock horns with not only the likes of the British Bulldogs, but All Japan's young talent. It was actually during the Summer Action Series in 1989 where they would meet the team of Kabashi and Kikuchi for the first time. But this would be years before their iconic encounter in Sendai. In 1990, Kabashi and the then Tiger Mask and future Mitsuhiro Misawa would actually defeat the Kanam Express to win the All-Asia Tag Team Championships. The Canham Express would later recapture the titles, this time beating Dynamite Kid and Johnny Smith heading into 1991. But it would only take the Canham Express a couple of weeks to retain those championships. And it would be that year when the rivalry between the Canham Express and the Super Generation Army upped its intensity with Kabashi, Kaguchi, and old rival Kawada all involved. The Canam Express would pick up a notable victory over Kawada and Kaguchi at Super Power Series 1991. The team of Mrs. Baba's favourite wrestler Johnny Ace and Kenta Kabashi would beat the Canam Express for the All Asia Tag Team titles in July of 1991. The Canadian and American duo would regain form though towards the end of the year and headed into the real World Tag League. The performance in the real tag team league that year was up and down, shall we say, as the finals are actually contested between Steve Williams and Terry Gordy and the super generation army of Mitsuhiro Misawa and Toshiaki Kawada. But as 1992 came around, Don Craffitt and Doug Furness continued to hold on to them all-Asia tag team championships. And then, on the 25th of May... 1992. The match that was considered by Dave Meltzer to be the match of the year would take place in Sendai. Don Crawford and Doug Furness would defend those championships against the team of Kensa Kabashi and Tsuyoshi Kikuchi. For me, there's five elements that make this match great. 
The first is the crowd that were there live to witness this piece of history. Bubbling from the very beginning, they practically explode when the action gets underway. There's a very common misconception that Japanese audiences are quiet, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Watch any major match from the 90s in all Japan, and that myth is busted instantly. But that shouldn't diminish how special this crowd was. There was a magic in the air that night in Sendai. The second and third elements are Crawford and Furnace playing their roles in this match to perfection. In this All Japan formula, the Kanams were the chemical that causes the explosion of emotion from the crowd. The villainous Westerners that have the All Asian Championships depriving our heroes of glory. The fourth element wasn't quite the precious material he'd become in later years, but even in 1992, you could tell that Kenta Kabashi was no fool's gold. As previously mentioned, he'd been a tag team champion before and was more than capable of shining bright in the spotlight. Barrel-chested, youthful and handsome, Kabashi was the most obvious choice to be the jewel in the King's Road crown. But at this moment in time, he only wished to show he was battle-tested and ready for war. The fifth and final element is maybe, aesthetically at least, the most surprising. More stout than striking, Kaguchi didn't sparkle like Kabashi, but like a lump of coal under pressure. In the heat of the contest, he would show just how valuable he was to this moment in history. And it was in this moment where his talent would shine through. Arguably no one garnered sympathy quite like him absorbing punishment from these man-mountains only to defiantly kick out. And as the match ebbed and flowed, Kaguchi would do just that. Isolated and outmuscled, he found himself in peril. arrogant cover from Crawford, the confidence in Furnace's count, all add to the desperation of Kaguchi's kick out. Besides themselves, the Canam Express grabbed the referee which pours petrol on the fire that is the crowd inside the Miyagi Sports Center. Crawford and Furnace warm their hands on the flames before looking to extinguish the burning hearts of Kaguchi and Kabashi. The final throws of the fight resembled that of a Rocky movie. Impossible offense against improbable odds. Excitement, drama, and most importantly, emotion. This match was everything 
that 90s All Japan stood for. Maybe more than any other, this match embodies what this new crop of Japanese stars was. Donned in bright and bold colours, this Super Generation Army resembled a Super Sentai squad. But this wasn't Tommy or Billy, this was Giant Baba's set of superheroes on a mission to kickstart the new generation of Japanese wrestling. There's no questioning just how special this matchup is, and I implore you to seek it out on YouTube. It's there, it's easy to find, and it still holds up today. But that kind of leaves us with the question, what happened to the heroes and villains of this story. Kabashi would become stuff of legend in all Japan and pro wrestling Noah. Foes such as Misawa, Akiyama, Marafuji, and even Yuji Nagata would fall. But arguably his greatest victory came against Cancer, which he defeated before returning to in-ring action in late 2007. For Doug Furness and Don Crawford, four years worth of tours laid ahead as they continued to be regulars within the company. They shared a ring with not only high-profile Japanese stars, but fellow Western wrestlers such as Steve Williams and Stan Hansen. In 1996, the duo would trade the Super Generation for the New Generation, as they joined the World Wrestling Federation. Furnace and Lafon have been tag team partners for about eight years. All Asian tag team champions spent most of their career in Japan. And In 1996, Crawford would become Philip Lefon, and the team would debut at Survivor Series at the historic Madison Square Garden. Teaming with the Godwins, they'd end up on the winning side against the team of the new rockers Owen Hart and British Bulldog. A fairy tale start then? Well, not so much. This match is one of the most forgettable Survivor Series matchups in history, as it was plagued by injuries and mishaps throughout. Following their debut at the Garden, they'd do a series of house show matches against the New Rockers and Fake Diesel and Fake Razor before making an appearance on Monday Night Raw. They would share the ring with Owen and British Bulldog again, even getting a count-out victory over the then-tag team champions. But the company would soon lose faith. A year later, after their debuts at Survivor Series 1997, their WWF dreams were all but over. Throughout 96 and 97, they'd compete in ECW as part of an agreement between Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman. A high-profile match against Rob Van Dam and Sabu would be Crawford and Furness's proper introduction to ECW. They would later actually capture the ECW World Tag Team Championships, beating Little Guido and Tracy Smothers of the FBI in late 1997. But they would immediately lose those titles the day after on a taping of Hardcore TV to Chris Candido and Lance Storm. An injury to Lafon would leave Furness as a singles wrestler through 1998. He'd actually have a couple of opportunities to wrestle Rob Van Dam for the World Television Championship. But without his longtime tag team partner, Doug Furness started to wind down his time in ECW. And as for Kaguchi... I think it's fair to say that he had a 
solid career that maybe didn't quite live up to the heights of 1992. After losing the tag team championships to the Patriot and the Eagle, Kaguchi would return predominantly to the junior heavyweight division, occasionally going for the All-Asia Tag Team Championships again. In 2000, Kaguchi would make the jump to pro wrestling Noah with Misawa, Kabashi and Akiyama. In a tournament to crown the first ever GHC junior heavyweight champion, Kaguchi would fall in the semifinals to the eventual winner, Kenomura. Apart from moments of fighting off a outside threat from the likes of Jujun Fondalaika, Minara Tanaka, and Koji Kanemoto, Kaguchi's career continued in a similar vein to that that he had in all Japan. Consistent and solid, although maybe missing the spirit of the 90s. As we reach the end of this story, the question does remain of why didn't it work in WWF for the Can-Am Express? It's... A hard question to answer because I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Maybe it was the way they were portrayed. Maybe it was the way they were presented. Maybe it was the way they were booked. This, after all, was the period in WWF history where the cartoon, larger-than-life characters were starting to be filtered out, but they'd yet found the edge that was the Attitude Era. Maybe that was the plan with sending them to ECW. Maybe they were hoping Lafon and Furnace would find an attitude, an aesthetic that fitted what WWF envisioned for their future. If WWF and WCW was where the big boys play, maybe it was the size of the heart in the fighters in all Japan that counted most. Let's take Kikuchi, for instance. In that moment in 1992, he was the perfect person in the perfect match, telling the perfect story. And maybe that's what Doug Furness and Dan Crawford were at that time in all Japan. Right guys, right place, right time. Regardless if you perceive their tenure in WWF to be unremarkable or even to use the terminology that the company have labelled them with as boring, we'll still always have that magical moment on May 25th, 1992. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.